This is tape number four of Dr. Joel Hunter's series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. The subject of his fourth message is practicing faith. And from the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter's text is found in James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, and it reads as follows. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And now, let's join in for praise and worship, followed by Dr. Joel Hunter's message, Practicing Faith, message number four of the series, Faith from Heaven to Earth. Well, if you have brought uh, your scriptures with you, if you would turn to the first chapter of James... And I'm going to be uh, preaching about building your faith out of the book of James. Now, for you scholars, uh, this, may be, this may seem a strange thing, uh, because James is such a practical book, and it talks about works. Um, um, Luther was a little suspicious of this book, by the way. He thought, called it a book of straw, a book of, book of works, you know. But there are some wonderful principles in the book of James that will help us build our faith. And I'm so glad you came this morning, because God, I believe, has something for you that will be of great use to you this morning. You know, last week I talked about uh, how God builds faith when we speak the truth, even if the, even if the truth is unpleasant to hear. By the way, a lot of people got saved last week. We've been getting reports all week that not only did people get saved while they were here, but people went out of here and spoke the truth to people who needed to hear it, uh, and they came to Christ. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful blessing. I have uh, something, though, to say to you that may be difficult for you to hear this morning. So it's a follow-up to that that, um, message. I believe that many Christians miss most of what God has for them in prayer because they have placed their faith or their hopes on the answers they've prayed to God rather than placing their faith in God himself and receiving what answers he has for them. And if we only concentrate on the results of prayer, we will miss most of what prayer was intended for by God. Now, that's the largest way, most of the, most of the way in which, we, in which we, we build our faith in a personal relationship with God is through our prayer life. So let's concentrate on that this morning and see if we can get a little wider uh, in our understanding of what God wants for us in our prayer life. First of all, uh, let's uh, start with verse 2. It says this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. What drives you to prayer? Trials. For some of you who are not real mature in the faith yet, just about the only thing that will get you on your knees are trials. And so they're good. In that, they're good. Count it a joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Now let's pause on this verse for just a moment. How many of you use your prayer life to overcome a specific problem or hindrance and only to overcome a specific problem or hindrance? What is God's will for your life? 
It says it throughout the Bible, that we be perfect, that we be complete, that we be presented uh, uh, to the Lord. Uh, perfect and complete. It says that in, in the Colossians also. And so therefore, life is not just about overcoming problems. Um, 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 peace is not just the absence of conflict. Wellness is just not the absence of sickness. There is, there is a, there's a more positive angle to it. And in, in Scripture, when it, when it uses the word, words like perfect, the, the, the Greek word is telos, and it means to be fitted to that for which you were made. Uh, a perfect tool for a screw is a screwdriver. That's, that's what it was made for. And so God, all the time we are on this earth, is molding us into that for which he has made us. But it also means uh, to, to, be, to be whole, to be complete. It's not just the overcoming of problems. You know, God is not just concerned that we quit sinning. God is concerned that we go way beyond that. That we be presented to him a well-balanced, entire person. Let me give you an example from child-rearing. I don't know how many of you are rearing children right now, but we, we're, we're almost through uh, that phase. We've got a few more years to go yet. Let me tell you our philosophy in raising children. We, we determined from the very beginning that our philosophy of raising children would not be to lay in wait for them to make a mistake and then hop on them for that mistake, and then that would be the extent of our child-rearing. Now, certainly, our kids will tell, tell you that when they blow it, we come down on them hard. We're not just, well, whatever, you know, just experiment. You know, we're just, we're real, you know, we're, we come down on them when they make a mistake. When we're teaching something, if they give a wrong answer, we say, no, that's wrong, you know. But parenthood is so much more than correcting error, just as Christianity is so much more than correcting sin. As a matter of fact, we have taken from Genesis four or five areas that God provided uh, in the Garden of Eden as, as the purpose of life. Some of you who are here in the second year of our preaching heard that over and over again. It's, it'll be in the book that comes out in a few months, the second book in this series. <clears throat> and we have looked at our kids and we have said, you know what? You need to develop your life in at least four areas. You need to develop your labor. That was in the Garden of Eden. You need to work hard. You need to get your body in order. You need to get up and do something. You need to develop your love. That was in the Garden of Eden. So you need to develop a social life. You need to develop your learning. When Adam named the animals, he was learning about them because he named them according to their nature. And so he was watching them. He was observing them. You need to develop intellectually, we say. And then, of course, you need to develop spe- specifically in a spiritual way. This, the, the, the provision and the limits that God placed the word from God that, that safeguarded those people was drunk in by them. So when we've raised our kids, we've said, if you're lacking in any of these areas or you're overbalanced in any one of those areas, we're going to tell you about it. If you're spending too much time in your social uh, life and not enough time in your intellectual life, we're going, to, we're going to help you balance that. If you're spending too much time in sports and developing your body and not enough time in your knees developing your spirit, we're going to tell you about that. Well, I want to tell you, when you pray, God is not just concerned with overcoming a specific hindrance. He is concerned with developing all of you. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so therefore, 
God will answer your prayer in many more ways than you thought he would. In many more ways than you prayed. What does Ephesians 3.20 say? He says he is willing and able to give us abundantly more than we what? Ask or even think. And therefore, when we pray, and I'm not praying, don't pray specifically. I'll tell you to pray specifically in just a little bit. But I'm saying when you're praying for something, don't get in an attitude that that's all you're going to look for and that's all that God's going to answer you in. You've got to be broader than that. Look at what, the, look at what, it, says, what it says in the, in the verse following. He says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, the, the Greek word here is, is Sophia. It means, uh, uh, you know the difference between knowledge and, and, and wisdom. Knowledge is a, the accumulation of facts. But you know smart people have no common sense whatsoever. You also know people who don't have much education who can see the big picture and tell it to you in a minute. They have wisdom. When they talk, you do this. Why didn't I think of that? You know? Or I, I, I've thought about that, but I've never been able to put it into words. That's that, that's that ability to wisdom, of, of wisdom. So the Bible is saying that, that we need wisdom. We need to see the big picture. Why? Because of the nature of God. Look what it says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God... Who gives to all men, watch this word, generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, why would you need wisdom when you were praying? Because God, as I just said, gives us in more ways an answer to prayer than just one way. His nature is to give us the big picture. The Greek word here is hoplos. And hoplos means wide or, or, or big or, or general, you know? If you go back in, in, in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, it talks about your eye. And it says, for, if someone has a bad eye, his whole body is full of darkness. And the word that they use for bad, paneros, means narrow. Or, or in, in the King James, it's evil. You know, when you, give, when you give somebody the evil eye, you just kind of squint up like this, see? You, you narrow your eye down. And what happens when you've got a narrow view? Your whole body's full of darkness. Let me ask you about your prayer life. Is your prayer life narrow? I mean, do you just pray for one thing? Oh, God, give me this or nothing, you know? This is all I'm looking for. This is all I'm keeping my eye on. For some of you, that's an exercise of great faith. That's not an exercise of great faith. That's an exercise of narrow faith. And the chances are God's got more to teach you than that. That same scripture says, but if your eye is good, if it is healthy, and the word that they use is haplos. In other words, if it's wide open, then your body will be full of light. Now, here's the difference. Of course we start off our prayer life in faith to build our faith with a specific concern. But there's a difference between praying God an answer and saying, give me this, or praying to God and saying, you know, God, this is the, this is the concern I had going into this, and this is the need I have. But I realize you want to give me more of an understanding than that. I realize you want to give me more than that. And so, therefore, I'm going to be looking for your answer in a lot of ways. Let me, let me give you an illustration of that. Our oldest son, Josh, got home from college. Didn't have a job when he got home. And he got home late. His college let out late. And, of course, he has to earn money to go back to college. 
So, man, he hit the pavement. I mean, he was knocking on doors. He was reading classifieds. And, and he's come up with a couple of jobs now. One's a night job as a uh, helping electrician. But the other one, he comes and he answers this ad in the paper. You know how they don't tell you what it is in the paper. It just looks real good. So he goes and goes through this interview and comes back. And, and he says, oh, I got the job. A lot of people interviewed, but I got it. I said, well, what is it? He says, it's selling kitchen knives. I looked at him and I said, well, Josh, now, now you've got to understand Josh. Josh is the most unlikely sales personality you've ever seen in your life. I mean, he's a typical firstborn, very analytical, very business, you know, you know kind of thing. You know, he's not one of these, you know, guys, he's just, you know, kind of, kind of the deal. I said, you're selling kitchen knives? He looked at him and he said, he kind, of, he kind of put me back on my heels. He said, no, wait a minute, Dad. He said, you know, I'm a business major in college. Do you understand how much of business is sales? How, how am I go to, to go into the business world, understanding the business world, never having been trained in sales, never having experienced sales firsthand and so on and so forth? This is going to be a great, great education. So I said, great. You know, and then I started thinking, how much of life is sales? You know, how many, how many of us would be better off if all of us took a little sales training, including you parents? How much, how much, how much of your job would be easier if you, if you were a better salesman to your kids? Anyhow. So, so I'm thinking, well, you know, okay, all right, but he still needs money, but, you know, I, okay, I can see the broader picture now. I can, yeah, I can get this. So I'll educate him for his, his chosen profession. Well, he starts going out. He's making these appointments, you know, going out and making the presentation. He's been trained in the presentation, so on and so forth. And he's coming back, and he's saying, man, that was great. First, in the first place, he's going to businessmen. And these businessmen, at the end of the presentation, are saying, now, Josh... This is how you could do that a little bit better, you know? Josh is loving this, especially for people who have had experience in sales. He comes back and says, Dad, that was great. These guys are salesmen. They've been in this for 20, 30 years. They're telling me all this stuff. I'm learning tons. This is great. Well, then he goes out and, and uh, maybe he gets somebody who, who isn't uh, uh, in sales. But, but they... He, he, gets, he learns from them about life. He, he uh, said last service he went to see Marcia Gary. And Marcia, for those of you who know her, is a real encourager. I mean, she just pumps you up. Man, he came back from that going, oh, man, what an encourager she is. She is great. All the while, I'm watching this young man develop an appreciation for learning from people. Very important in life that you learn from people. And you learn how to communicate what you have to say in ways that they can hear what you have said. One of the most valuable lessons in all of life. And I'm also seeing him develop his appreciation just being with those people. He went to see Buddy, you know, and Buddy talked about how his dad had got him into sales, you know. And Josh just came back and said, man, that was fascinating. I just absolutely loved that, you know. So I'm watching this kid. Well, he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, a, he's a man, you know, obviously. And I'm watching him, and I'm thinking, he's making some money, but if, if the revenue part of it, if the profit part of it was the only thing he was focused on, then every day he would come home and his mood would be elevated or deflated according to how much money he had made that day. But every day he comes home, and he's wired. You know why? Because God has taught him about the business world. Because God has taught him about learning from people. Because God has, given, has built his relationships with people. 
Do you see how God is answering that prayer for a job more fully than in the arena of money? Now, let me ask you. Is your prayer life centered on what you, only what you want God to give to you by way of profit? God, this is what I need. Just give me this. Or is your prayer life more educational in nature? God, this is the concern I have. This is the need I have. But what I really want is for you to teach me. Teach me about myself in this thing. Teach me about what gifts or or what behavior I could develop. Teach me about how people operate in this concern. Teach me about how you operate in the world. Teach me, Lord. Because while I wait for the concern I think I have, I want all you have for me in this process. You understand? And so God answers generously. He gives us more than we thought we would have. Now, just a couple more points I want to make. When we pray... We certainly ought to pray with a concern or pray specifically. You know what I've learned about people? If they're not praying specifically, they're usually not praying very effectively because they're not into it. People only know specifics. And so it's okay to pray specifically, you know? But, watch this, we need to pray specifics loosely. We need to pray specifics, giving something to God so that he can do with it whatever he wants and we receive what he has for us. Let me tell you two reasons. Number one, because Isaiah 55 says God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our our thoughts. I get a kick out out of Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, who says, I'm glad God didn't answer all my prayers specifically, or I would have married the wrong man several times. You know? It's true. God's ways are higher than our ways. And so we need to pray specifically, but not only focused on that prayer. Focused rather on God. Listen to the next few verses of this, would you please? It says, But let him ask in faith, without any doubting, For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now let me ask you, what do you think is the correlation of the admonition against doubt? In other words, what should you not doubt? Many people read that and say, I shouldn't doubt that I'm going to get what I've asked for. But I just told you, that's not a good prayer. Because God may have something else for you. No. The admonition against doubt is not doubting God. Not doubting the source of your prayer. Not the object of your prayer. The source of your prayer. Not doubting that He is your Father. Not doubting that He will answer. And not doubting that He will give you exactly what you need. Look with me, just for a moment, in Luke chapter 11. And look at the words of Jesus here. Look at the words of Jesus. Starting with verse 9, this is what it says. And I say to you, this is a command from Jesus, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, 
and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it shall be opened. You know this says two very important things. Number one, I want you to see that the verb tense in the Greek, like the verb tense in the Greek when it says ask in John, is in the present tense. That means continual, repetitious asking. That means keep going back to him. Not because he's forgotten, but because you keep going back to the source. The value of the asking is reminding yourself who is your source. Who, who, who gives? And how valuable that relationship is. Keep on asking, in other words. And then it also says, your prayers will be answered. Look at verse 10. It says, everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Everyone. There it is in red and white. You know, this is the word of Jesus. Do you understand that if you pray, your prayers will be answered? They will be answered. Many people say, you know, I tried it and it didn't work. You know, one of two things happened there. Either you gave up looking too soon because your calendar was not matching God's calendar. Or you were only looking for your particular answer. And you missed what he had for you to see. One of those two things. Let me give you an illustration of that second one. Let me give you an illustration. I've told some of you this before, but I think it's important enough to repeat so that the rest of you can get it. You know, many people, before there were shopping malls, used to do most of their shopping through catalogs, Sears catalogs or whatever, Montgomery Wards or whatever. And sometimes at the bottom of the order form, there was the little box, and the little box had a little print out the side of it said, if we do not have the item that you have ordered in stock, may we substitute something of equal or greater value. Well, I was reading a story about a guy one time, and, and he had ordered, you know, he, he, he was doing shopping through, through a catalog. And, of course, this is a great thing for a guy. You know, guys don't want to go out and just look through stuff. And uh, so he just, you know, knew what he wanted, checked it down there, and, and he'd see that box and he'd put no, you know. And the guys do that. I know what I want. So, so one time when he ordered something, he, he couldn't let go of looking at that box. So he got a little curious. So he put, yes, you know. If you don't have what I what I need in stock, you can or you can you can send something of equal or greater value. Well, he got back something along the item along the line of the item that he ordered that was of twice as much value for the same price. Would you like to guess what he did every time he ordered something from then on? He always checked that box, you know. Yeah, if you don't have what I said, what I have, send me something of equal or greater value. Let me ask you: Is there a box at the end of your prayer to God that says, "God, you know, if you don't have this up there for me, just feel free to send me of something equal or greater value." You know what I need. You know what I need, and God will do exactly that. Why? Because our faith that is unwavering knows this about God. Look at what it says in Luke. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Give the what? The Holy Spirit. What sense does that make, you say? I was asking for financial relief, you know? I was asking for a new girlfriend. (laughs) Give what? Give the Holy Spirit. Watch what happens here. God uses that prayer in order to bring us closer to himself. What is the function of the Holy Spirit? The function of the Holy Spirit is always to bring us to Christ, isn't it? That's the function. The function of the Holy Spirit is to make us one with God. And so the greatest gift that we have in our prayer life is when God brings us close enough to himself that we can, A, recognize what he's given us, how many ways he's answered that prayer, and number two, how much he loves us, even to answer it. You know, there are things, there there, there are two words in German for knowing, to know. One is uh, wissen. It means to have information about This is a cognitive process. It's something that you can be taught. When you come here, you get wissen about God. I tell you things that that help you understand intellectually more of who God is. But there is another word that is equally, if not more, valuable. In in German, the word for person is kennen. and, and, And this German word to know is kennenlernen. And it means literally a personal knowledge. A knowledge that doesn't come through the head, but comes through being with somebody long enough you have a sense of them. It's nothing that you can be taught intellectually. It's only something that develops with companionship, with fellowship. And only something that develops with your sense of closeness to that person. God wants us to have both those kinds of knowledge about Him. And that's the purpose of prayer. Prayer isn't just to get what you want. Prayer is to, number one, recognize all the ways that God wants to bless you. All the things that God wants to teach you. And He's glad to have this occasion. That's the listen. But the canon learning is, He wants you to know that while all that's happening... You're in his lap. He wants you to sense his closeness. He wants you to, he wants you to, to feel his arms. See? That's why we're going to follow the teaching of the Word today with worship. It's so appropriate that we would go directly to God. It's so appropriate that we would have this communion today. Because communion isn't about learning something new intellectually. It's about experiencing, personalizing the person of Jesus Christ, taking him into ourselves. Pray with me. God, thank you for broadening our outlook, for for opening our eyes spiritually, for giving us an idea that you would use the very heartfelt concerns, the worries of our lives or the anxieties or the hurts in order to teach us how good you are in how many areas.
Father, give us that perspective. Help us to see our prayers as a process of education, not just a process of relief. And help us to see our prayers as a process not only of profit, but of intimacy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.